0: Welcome to another episode of Turnstiles and Tribulations. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We really appreciate you being here. We're going to discuss today the midweek game of Arsenal against Aston Villa at the Emirates in North London. We're just going to jump straight into it, really. No messing about on this one. We just want to get straight on to talking about the football. Uh, It was a 2-1 win. We're now five undefeated. We sit top of the Premier League table, 15 points from a possible 15 Only Man City are close to us after they have dropped points. Other teams around us have finally dropped some points as well. Things are looking good for the Arsenal, would you say, Chris?
1: Sitting pretty at the top. Um, Performances and results going our way. Um, And yeah, fantastic start. I can't remember. I was looking back over some previous seasons to see some of the good starts we had. Uh, And I think it's... Was it oh seven oh eight when we won something like 10 out of 12 or something like that? We went on a long, unbeaten run at the start of the season um, and then ended up, you know, throwing it away towards the end. Um, and we won't mention um, Birmingham and stuff like that. But uh, I, th- I think we had a really long, unbeaten run at the start and it was, it was 12 games or 13 games, something like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed we can do something similar this time, you know?
0: That was my first season of having a home season ticket. So I should remember it. But once you go, I don't know, some fans seem to have fantastic memories and can remember certain incidents, which I can, but I could never say, oh, that was that year or that was this. Like, And I couldn't tell you half, probably to be honest, 90% of the results in that season. Um but uh, I will take your word for it. And yeah, it is. You've used that word again. You did say early on in the season that uh, fantastic was going to be your favourite word. And it is. It really is right now fantastic to be an Arsenal fan. And I'm enjoying every second of it. And I'm going to milk it for all it's worth for as long as it lasts. Um, Because it's not been easy as an Arsenal fan in some periods. There have been some testing times. and. I just want to enjoy a little bit of happiness associated with the Arsenal, something that I truly love. I know you do too. Some people might not understand that. They might not get it, how much we care about these things. They might think it's silly or pathetic that we care this much about something. And that's fine. You can think that. You know, I'm not going to judge you for what you might think, but this is something that we care about a lot. So it's great to see us doing what we're doing it's um, time
1: for celebration i saw um after the game there was some fireworks going off at the emirates
0: really <laughs>
1: <laughs> a little nod to richard keys there
0: oh the celebrate yeah do you know what okay sorry um let's touch on that so i was unaware of all of that after the last game i hadn't seen it until maybe monday or tuesday fuck richard keys Weren't you cancelled like 12, 14 years ago for misogynistic behaviour, you and Andy Gray? Stop trying to be relevant. Stop trying to copy talk Sports, you know, mission statement of let's say stupid stuff so that we get follows, mentions, tweets, people watching our videos. Fuck you, Richard Keys. I'm going to enjoy dancing when Arsenal win all around your sour self simple as that sorry for the strong language but uh yeah get bent so lineup changes we uh we saw that uh samby got his first start of the season
1: smiling alongside
0: Sammy. yeah alongside uh grana Xhaka. one that i mentioned and text you just before kickoff that worries me a little bit zinchenko wasn't on the bench so has that exuberant celebration of his sprinting from the, uh, from the dugout done him in worse than what he already was. Fingers crossed not. Um, but uh, yeah, Sambi was in was the, the big change. How do you think it went?
1: Really well. I mean, for, for Sambi, I thought his start was a little bit shaky. I think a couple of minutes in, he he misjudged a, a bouncing ball, an aerial ball. Then he wasn't in position on the sort of second ball and he let two players run off of him. And I had a panic straight away where I thought, if Villa are going to be intense here and get after him, he's going to be like a rabbit in headlights. But it just took him four or five minutes to settle. And then from there, I thought he was excellent. And for somebody who hasn't played any minutes so far this season, I thought it was a really clever, high quality performance, with especially with the ball. I thought his passing was excellent. Off of both feet, different ranges. Uh he, he did the simple things right. And he was also able to give us a little bit more than El Nenny does in terms of progressive and penetrative passes as well. So his performance I thought was, was outstanding for mm-hmm. somebody like I say who hasn't played any game so far. And that helped that helped the team, definitely.
0: You mentioned there that kind of maybe a shaky first five minutes. I would have said that was indicative of the team's performance for maybe even the first 10, possibly 15. I thought that looked like the sloppiest start to a game that we've had this year so far. We weren't quite doing what we want to do. And Villa had a part to play in that. Clearly, I don't know if you saw Steven Gerrard's pre-match press conference from a day or so ago, And he said, we want to go and we want to disrupt what they're doing, like um, spoil our our start is what he said. And that's clearly what he sent the team out to do, to try and get stuck in, try and do the classic, rough us up, expose Arsenal's soft core. All of these kind of things have been said about us over the last however many years. But this Arsenal team stuck to their task, stuck to what they are asked to do, told to do by Arteta, I felt, and clicked into gear in about 10 to 15 minutes. And not only did they click into gear, we clicked into a higher gear. We clicked into a gear of technicality that no matter what Aston Villa tried to do in terms of breaking up our play, they couldn't touch us. We were moving the ball about really nicely, really quickly, one touch pass in, pretty patterns across the pitch and after 15 minutes I was like right here we go this is the arsenal that we've been treated to so far this season and, and what we've seen so uh, I thought we all kind of picked our game up at that point and off we went and um, what was for you the feeling of the first half how did you how did you take that what did you think of what we were doing, how we were doing it, and Villa as well?
1: It continues to be like for me. It was a really good start to the game. And he said the first maybe ten wasn't as uh, as solid as we've been maybe in some other games. But for me, the whole first half was really impressive. the The speed and the intensity at which we did things, the chances we created, um, and we'll go through some of them were were really good and I thought we brought the fight to Villa. Like you said, from the start, they were trying to disrupt and, and be physical with us, but this is a team who are up for that fight and are willing to go head-to-head and toe-to-toe with people. So I, I think it was a really good first half, really good first half. The the quality, like I said, was was up there. It was up there with some of the other um, performances in the first half of games um, and we managed to maintain it, I thought, for the, fir- the first First half, mm-hmm. uh, led by uh, as always that front three of Martinelli, Jesus, and, and Saka, who I thought uh, as a as a trio were, were excellent in terms of pressing and the running and the intensity they they played with and the chances they created.
0: Yeah, I mean to go in only one 0 up at the half felt pretty criminal. Um, we had a number of opportunities. Uh, Saka had a really good opportunity, very similar to the Martinelli goal later on in the game. He just didn't quite have the composure to, to slot it in. The Here's a question for you. We haven't discussed this yet, um, even off air. Tyrone Mings with his cuddle of Bukayo uh, Saka in a penalty area just... He just wanted to be close to England's star player of the World Cup and <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and give him a little kiss and a cuddle or blatant penalty and why isn't the ref or VAR giving it?
1: Um, it's a hard one because with the Arsenal hat on, you want a penalty for that. Um, if it's in the other box, I'm thinking that the attack has gone down too, too easily. I would like Saka to stay up on his feet at that point I think he goes down a little bit easily I think he's thrown to the floor a little bit easily there is a shirt pull before that I was going to mention that um, as he enters the box two things together is that enough for a penalty we've seen uh, was it last season with with Xhaka there was a shirt pull and then a clip of Bernardo Silva's knee yep Um, they got a penalty for it and it felt like the two actions together were like an accumulation of sort of fouls within that split second and this felt maybe a little bit like that um f- for me i want saka to stand up and I, I was a little bit disappointed by the fact that he'd gone down because it felt to me like a decision not uh something that he 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 couldn't deal with the physicality of, of mings it was more of i'm in this position I've, i feel like i'm being pulled i'm gonna drop yeah uh and you're in the box He he just rolled somebody so, you know, we've we've spoken about this in other weeks, how, how good he is at turning people and shielding the ball and, and managing to get out of tight spaces. I thought that was a chance for him to do that there.
0: Fair enough. I mean, you're right. You use that logic of what if that was our defender? But the thing is, when we see our defenders, <laughs> nine times out of ten, the penalty is given against us for that. So... That's why for me, I'm like, well, if, if we're running the same rule over it as what happens against us, then I would want it for us. And that was a bit of a theme in the game for me. I I felt that the ref did not have an even game. There were instances where he let players off for things, or he did the opposite and booked them very quickly for things like Erdegaard's one challenge to break up play, and cynical challenge, and an immediate yellow card. But at that point, we'd already seen players like Konsa, uh and Ramsey having a few fouls each at that point. I think Ramsey was on a yellow at that point. But uh, I didn't think that the referee had a very even game is probably the best way or the kindest way to put it for him. Um, but okay. So we don't get a penalty. Sack has missed a good chance to uh, to put us ahead. Do you think you should score
1: that chance? Because, like you said, the Martinelli one is quite similar. I actually think the Martinelli one is a little bit more difficult. He's he's reaching a little bit more, and there are players in the way. There's
0: players around him. Yeah, I think absolutely he should score that. I think there was the Raheem Sterling goal on the weekend against Leicester was Rich James cut into the byline and he just does what he does. He drills a ball across and Sterling's there at the back post and hits. for him, he clearly sees the ball coming and he matches his body position and he times it really well. So the ball just has to kind of hit his foot and will go in. And I think that's what Saka maybe didn't do. I think he chased it almost too much. He wasn't calm when it came. And like you say, the Martinelli one, he had players around him and, and kept that calmness. We've seen times where Martinelli hasn't. You've mentioned the penalty incident from the Man City game last year. We had that incident where, just before the penalty, where Martinelli should have scored what was an open goal. And uh, and he didn't because he didn't show that composure that he did uh, last night. So, yeah, Saka, Saka should be scoring that, I think. We need to be ruthless, We've gotten the win, but there might be other times where there are going to be times where it's going to be harder games, even though these are not easy games. There are no easy games in the Premier League, even if you're playing Bournemouth. And we we will come up against tougher tests and we need to take every opportunity we get. And like I say, it kind of felt criminal that we were only one nil up at the half and not two, if not three.
1: I think most of those chances came in the first half as well. Uh, like we had 22 shots or, um, or 22 attempts uh, and some big chances in there as well. I think most of those came in the first half. It felt like we were really dominant. And I was surprised by the fact that the second goal didn't go in. It felt mm-hmm. like that might have killed Villa off. That might have killed their confidence a little bit and, and shut them down. Whereas I think the psychology of going in at half-time uh, with the, the game still in the balance and Villa still feeling like they can get something, I think it changes things when we then come into the second half because they come out and they think, well, oh, this team has thrown a lot a lot at us already and we've managed to, to hold it off and we, we've we're still in this game and I think they then come out in that second half with um, a mentality where they think they can get something out of it Uh, and we maybe need to start to kill teams off a little bit earlier in games and be a little bit more efficient in our finishing.
0: Like Man City do with being 3-4-0 up after 20 minutes.
1: I mean, exactly. That's the, um, without jumping too far ahead, I'm sure that when Arteta leaves that pitch... And walks down the tunnel and gets his phone out and checks the Man City results, he's thinking, well, that's the team I want to be because we've just had two games here at home that we've really had to fight for. And hey, look, the determination, the character we've shown is fantastic. But the effort we've had to put in, in terms of um, not just me- not just um, physically, sorry, but also the mental strength to do that, whereas City have had two gimmies, and you know blown teams away and been able to rest players and rotate players and still got huge results that's the team that we we want to be eventually right but yeah um, without being too negative anyway
0: well I mean you mentioned obviously the amount of opportunities and chances that we had and and attempted shots there was a moment there I think it was about 10-15 minutes in where Gabriel was just like I want to score. He was he fired a shot in from the edge of the area. The rebound comes out, he has another crack and I think Martinez makes a save. We get a corner. He's then in there trying to fight for the corner and get it like he was a man possessed for about 90 seconds there trying to get himself another goal as if he was still making up for the OG the other day. Um which is great to see. It's it's really good to see such vigorous effort from so many players. It's not just one or two people that we're relying on um and then on 15 minutes there was a really good chance for jesus um really strong exactly what we've seen from him uh, in being able to shrug defenders off turn people uh, and run through and it was a decent follow-up as well from odegaard who has continued where he left off from the last couple of games in providing so many nice passes, moving the ball around nicely, quickly, creating things out of nothing, laying balls on for other people and really dictating the play. Like Villa couldn't get close to him until about the 70th minute when they left one on him. But uh, I thought Erdegaard was really, really good. And although Villa continued to try and be physical, I felt that we were physical but in a different way. We were physical in the way that what Jesus has shown and done already in his short spell with us of being the right side of a player to win a duel, being able to turn someone. And something I actually noticed more throughout the second half as well is that Saka's already starting to show this. And it may have been that he's been doing this for a long time and I'm only recognizing it because I'm seeing Jesus do it so well. But to me, Saka looks like he's really picking up on some of the traits of Jesus, being on the right side of the uh, opposing player to steal the ball, turn the person, roll them, whatever it might be, and being strong. I know you mentioned you felt he went down reasonably easy for the penalty, and he he probably did, or penalty shout, uh, and he probably did. But there were plenty of other times during the game where I thought he and the rest of the team showed some real strength. Uh, and some real football smarts with how they play. They didn't get drawn into um, pushing and shoving with Villa players. They didn't get drawn into losing their call or anything like that. And that, for me, was a really good sign throughout the first half that even with the way Villa were trying to play, we didn't kind of go down that route because we've seen that before.
1: I didn't feel like Villa were... Any more dangerous than some of the other teams we've come up against? Uh, they, they pressed well uh, and they showed some intensity. And but I felt I felt like we dealt with the the battle really well, like I said, and and didn't let it get to us. Uh, on the other hand, I think some of their players let it get to them. And I think the the big one will probably come to is Martinez, um, mm-hmm. who on his uh, return, I know he's, he's already played uh, at the Emirates. Uh, for Villa, but on his on his return to us really let I think the game and the occasion get to him mm-hmm. I think his errors are a big part of the two goals that we score um, certainly that first one that's uh, a Zaka shot that he parries out into Jesus' path I think he should do better and hold on to that one um, and then there's then that clash with with jesus that comes a little bit later which was a really weird one where it didn't really seem like jesus was doing much even to slow him down but he was so affected by it that he um, managed to put jesus in a headlock and then drop to the floor um in sort of cartoonish louis <laughs> van hoel <Hull> touchline <laughs> um style
0: yeah yeah i think, I think you're right the yeah, the occasion, I think, might have gotten to Martinez. Another thing that I thought in the first half, even before we'd scored, was that our passing under pressure is getting really, really good. We There was a really good example of it last season where we scored a great goal, the Southampton game at home, where the build-up from the back and even Ramsdale on his first pass out is under pressure and we run down the uh, right-hand side with link up from Saka and Tomiyasu and others and score a great goal, we're now seeing what, that was just a glimpse, we're now seeing that for 50, 60, 70 minutes of a game that we're able to just ping the ball around nicely, the short passes, long passes, and like I was saying earlier, like first-time passes, and like I said a few weeks ago as well, about, like I think it was a Bournemouth game, just playing the right pass as well. It's, uh, it's really showing all of the work that's being done on the training ground on that. And yeah, it leads to 30 minutes in. And like you say, Jesus' goal, it's, uh, it's Martinelli is uh, allowed to run in. I feel like the Villa players kind of stood off him a bit. They didn't really go to him. And then he uh, picks out Xhaka, who's also in space. The Villa players didn't really close him down. And uh, it's a poor say from Martinez. He really should do better there. And uh, yeah, Jesus is the man in the in the middle, man in the right place at the right time, and sweeps at home. And yeah, absolutely thrilled to kind of get that because you felt we we needed it. And like you say, if we'd have gotten the second by half time, I think that would have been the game there and then. But uh, Villa come out a bit of renewed energy or continued energy. But you mentioned as well that they did well, they pressed us, but they didn't threaten us. Like Ramsdale had nothing to do in the first half. Um, it wasn't until maybe uh, their goal even, like in the 70th minute, when uh, when Ramsdale actually had stuff to do.
1: Yeah. I remember Arteta always talks about being, or, or I think last season, he talked about being the best team outside of the boxes and we needed to be the better team inside the boxes where it really matters, and be efficient when we're defending, and be ruthless when we're we're trying to score. And we've seen a lot of games where we dominate the middle part of the pitch, whether it's uh, the intensity and and pressing and winning the ball back, or whether it's in possession and, and our build up. And this was a game where I thought we dominated all the way through, and although Villa got slightly back into the game, like you said, in the second half, they they didn't cause us any trouble at all. They weren't no. able to get into the box at all. Um, and they weren't able to really cause us any trouble in, in transition either with a, with a counter-attack. You know, they couldn't get started. Um, and that's just a confidence that, that builds, I think, through winning games and through good performances. The same with the passing, like you just mentioned, the fact we're able to fizz the ball into people and trust people's first touch is just a, a massive confidence that that goes through the whole team. And it it builds and it becomes easier to play and the speed of the, the ball can move around increases because of that. I only remember one misplaced pass and that was the... Um, Zaka one to to Saka where he hits where he it about hundred miles an hour like a shot <laughs> one of, one of his <laughs> pole drivers head height and he still even nearly brings that down
0: he did it was actually really good from Saka I thought you could hear the impact I reckon they'll look at that in the uh, briefing room and have a good laugh at that one and just be like yo Granite what are you doing man it's like but the fact the
1: fact you can remember a pass like that means there can't have been too many of them because the rest of the time the ball is flying around with real accuracy and with intent. It's not just play to people's back foot so they have to take a touch and move it forward. It's always into them uh, uh, while they're moving into space or it's into the right foot so they can take the right
0: touch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been crying out for that to happen for years and it's so so pleasing to finally see it like being enacted it's it's all this stuff that i just felt as a fan anyway that this is so flipping obvious from the arsenalization of the stadium when even when we first moved in how barren it was to it took years before we got you know red paint on the concrete and a cannon in the seats things like that the What Arteta, you can see what he's done in updating the training ground and having the history on the walls and showing what it means to play for this club and for this team. Same with the dressing room um, update. All of these things seem like such simple and obvious things. And he has spent the last two years putting these together and we're seeing us reap the rewards of that right now. And back to what we we're saying at the top of the show – I'm gonna love every second of it while it lasts. Because uh we we deserve it. We're we are lovely people, our Arsenal fans, especially you and I, and we deserve nothing but happiness.
1: <laughs> yeah, well said. Um <laughs> seventy-four minutes in, Villa get a corner. I think it's their first corner of the game. Um
0: second one because he has one he had one just before the one that he scores. Right, okay. Um and, uh, yeah,
1: what's your reading of this turn of events? Because I'll just reference there was a a game last week. Was it Chelsea Leicester or was it yesterday?
0: Uh, Chelsea Leicester was on the weekend. Chelsea lost to Southampton yesterday.
1: And there's a, a cross, I can't remember it was across the corner. Somebody goes up for a header with Mendy. Their arm is on Mendy's shoulder. Um, it's a goal, but it gets disallowed through VAR
0: uh, yes. um, yep. for a
1: foul on the goalkeeper. Um, it seems relatively soft. I could sort of see the reasoning behind it, but um, yeah, it's not given. What, what, what do you read into the goal that Villa score?
0: For me, the uh, was it Watkins or was it someone else? I can't remember who it was, but um, as a as an attacker, you don't need to be putting your hands on the hips of the goalkeeper unless you want to get into some dirty dancing you don't need to have your hands in and around their waist if Ramsdale grabs the guy Tyrone Ming style on Saka and throws him over I bet you that's a penalty so he's damned if he does and he's damned if he's not so he doesn't he tries to just push through this challenge and he can't make it. He can't get there. It felt very reminiscent for me of one of the goals we conceded at Brentford away the first game of last season where Leno was just held back by one of the uh, Brentford centre-backs and flapped at it and couldn't do anything with it. And they, they allowed that one to stand as well. So I'm not shocked that it counted because of how we get refereed. But yeah, for me, absolutely, that goal can't stand. We've seen it. <laughs> we, we, I, I just don't know. We've seen it so many times that we just get screwed on, on VAR checks because, yeah, uh, like, what do you think? If if Ramsdale pushes him over, do you not think that he's then going to be the one in trouble? We often see
1: a, 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 an Arsenal player or a defender for other teams whose job it is to sort of protect the goalkeeper and you often get, just before the, the corner's being taken, that sort of scuffle around the goalkeeper with a, a defender and an attacker trying to get as close as they can and the referee stepping in. And it was surprising that we didn't have somebody uh, just around that battle to make sure that there was just a little bit of separation and Ramsdale could have some space to work. Um, so there's a, there's, a, there's something that's gone wrong there slightly. the The issue for me is that when the ball comes in, there's two players who are sort of guarding that front post. I think it's Xhaka and Tomiyasu who don't manage to get in a position to head it. And to me, the ball should never get to the goal. It should never get to where Ramsdow is. Mm-hmm. The the foul on him or the, the challenge or the block on him, I would want to see an attacker for us do that. I would want to see us do that. And we... we. You can
0: do it in a more subtle way. I don't know whether way. we did that to Leno. You can do it in a more subtle way. We Something that I've noticed that we were doing a little bit at the back end of last season and we've continued to do it is blocking players off. I think there was even an instance in the Fulham game on the weekend where to create space, our player got in the way of the Fulham defender to allow Martinelli the space to get on the ball. Now, you can do that just by standing in the way. For me, the part where it becomes a foul is, like I say, the hands being stretched out behind him and, and grabbing onto Ramsdale, putting his hands around him as if they're about to have a slow dance. That, for me, is where it becomes a foul. Mm-hmm. You can be disruptive, clever, shithousery, whatever you want to call it, off of corners and free kicks and so on by getting in the keeper's face and getting under their skin and in their eyeline. And there's more subtle ways to do it. That for me was an obvious one. And because it was obvious, it should have been punished and the goal shouldn't have stood. That That's how I felt about it anyway.
1: I can, I can see that point. I can see that point definitely. Um, we've had four, we've conceded four goals this season. And I was just looking at some statistics there. After those goals, it's taken us two minutes, one minute, Eight minutes and then three minutes to uh, get a goal back, you know, to show some response. Yeah. So, you know, again, some character in this team to huge, pretty much, you know, go down the other end and not let that goal affect them too much and get ourselves back ahead.
0: It's it's like they immediately fear. What that means, the fact that they've had a goal scored against them, whether it's uh, a goal for us to go behind or to be dragged level, to do what we're doing at the moment to score these goals so quickly, again, is this wonderful thing that we Arsenal fans are are absolutely loving. Because so many times I was thinking before we, while it was still 1-0, before Villa had even scored, I was thinking... First of all, 60 minutes, I felt like we, we could do with some fresh legs. Like the to the point that you mentioned earlier, it's not only this game and the one against Fulham took a bit um, physically as well as mentally. And I just felt maybe we could bring on a Smith row here. Maybe it's time to see what Vieira is just to freshen things up. Not because anyone was doing anything bad or anything like that, but just to kind of protect and maybe even start that pattern of rotation as Europe is just around the corner. And I also felt we need a second goal, not because Villa are starting to get opportunities and chances, but just because a 1-0 lead in the Premier League just rarely is enough. There are times where teams have just laid down and died at 1-0, but they never seem to do that against us. They always seem to love wanting to come to Arsenal and wanting to beat us. That performance hasn't been in any of Villa's games so far, it's only because Steven Gerrard has got history with us as a rival from down the years that he's perked his team up to play better for the challenge that we presented. So I wanted a second goal. And then with them getting an equalizer, you know, that was a bit of a, a gut punch. But like you say, this amazing response that we we're able to put in is uh, is just brilliant. And I, I had notes that... Uh, at that point after we'd conceded the goal in capitals, fuck you, premier league, fuck you, Aston Villa. And (laughs) I was writing that as Gabby scored the, uh, what turns out to be the winner. Um, and I was jumping around and yeah, I was just so happy, um, that we have small amount of games this season. So bear that in mind, but have we gotten rid of the soft underbelly that people used to say about us that if you get stuck into us we're soft have we gotten rid of that so far based on what we've seen maybe
1: yeah it's hard to tell isn't it because it only takes one result not to go your way in those situations and it will be talked about again i think i think a lot of teams have that problem and it takes a long time to rebuild your image uh, and change the way that you're perceived by. The outside football world but I think internally we know that we have turned the corner and mm-hmm. this is a different team and I've seen enough from these first five games to know that um, there's a different sort of spirit and a different sort of determination to us than there has been before different mentality the players have spoken about it so eventually if people cotton on to it and the the outside world and the media does then so be it but Hey, look. The longer they talk about us being soft, and if if teams are going to come and try and kick us about and try and be physical, they're not going to get much from it because this team is is up there with with anybody else in terms of a, a physical battle. What do you think of the changes we made? Because you know we've we haven't had much to complain about, have we? For the first few um, pods, and we've uh, ended up settling a little bit on late substitutions you you did you did say that you felt maybe some changes were needed I I was the same I thought about sort of 70 minutes just before that um, Villa goal that were there were a few people looking a bit leggy the the pressing had just dropped a little bit and uh, it felt like it needed freshening up
0: yeah the the changes that we did make obviously one was reasonably enforced with McGinn leaving one on um, Erdegaard he was able to play on For a decent while, you could see that that challenge hurt him. It was, a. for those that haven't seen, it's sliding in from the side and it catches Erdegaard on his right foot. The challenge was coming from the left side of him. And it's one of those where the instep of McGinn's foot is down and on top of the top of Erdegaard's foot, you know, metatarsals and uh, ankle area. And he gets taken off, Smith-Rowe comes on. I don't think Smith-Rowe was able to get too much into the game, but someone who did, uh, again, who came in off the bench and made what were small contributions but very good contributions was Eddie and Katia again, able to pick the ball up. And there were a couple of times where he just ran down the other end. He didn't really have too much support to come with him. There was one chance with just about a minute to go at the end of the game. And he did have Smith Rowe to his right and Martinelli to his left. And he, he chose to take the shot on, which is fair enough in in some ways, because he, he had run it, but the other times he just got his head down and dragged the ball away from the danger area. Because I was thinking with 10 minutes to go, or, you know, here's maybe where Arsenal need to show that we're different. Do we do we make sure we go on and win this from here or do we have that one moment lapse in concentration and concede? Because that's what can happen. Um so the substitutions were good. I would like to see Vieira. I feel like there's an opportunity for him to come on. Yeah. Um maybe he's being protected still. Tomiyasu coming on for Ben White. Is that giving Tommy Asu minutes. Is that protecting White? Was it tactical? Did he feel that Tommy Asu was going to stop some of what Villa were doing? I don't know what you thought about that. I, I couldn't really put my finger on what that one might be.
1: It seems to me that they want to put some minutes into Tommy Asu's legs. Obviously, he didn't have any preseason, So to come in and play 90 minutes at any level is going to be a bit of a push I think you need to sort of build those minutes and, and play 30 here and there and he's been doing that for the last few games right he's been coming on um, and replacing Ben White it's it's good to have a period we need a period where he's fit because when he first came he, he picked up that injury and then obviously he's he's been injured for the um the start of this season we want to keep as many players healthy as possible right so I think finding a way to get him some, some good minutes without overdoing it is the right thing to do. We know Ben White is fit enough to play um, you know, a, a sustained period because he's done it at centre-back last season. Um, but yeah, the chance to give him a little bit of a rest is good. With Vieira, uh, who knows? Who knows what they've seen in training? Again, it's a player who's had a knock and didn't have much or any of a preseason. didn't play in the games. Um, I know he played 45 minutes for the under-21s a week ago or so. He hasn't been involved since, which is surprising. you would think he'd get some more minutes there, but hopefully we'll see him soon. I don't know if Man United away is going to be the the time to bring him in um, into that atmosphere and against a a team like that, but um, hopefully soon we'll we'll see him.
0: That does lead on to maybe what will kind of take up and dominate most of our next part of the pod. We'll talk about the transfer deadline closing at the end of, uh, at the end of Thursday. Um, But before we get there, I do want to just kind of sum up in a way that I just thought we were clearly the better team the whole game. Um, We've talked about how Villa tried to spoil the party as, as such. We, Coped with it really well. We went through the gears when we needed to, showed desire, showed teamwork, strength, durability, all these things. I could list them endlessly at the moment, all these superlatives. I'm just happy. And uh that's all I've really got for it. I'm assuming because you're not saying anything that you're happy to, and you're just like,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's finish that bit. Oh. Side note,
0: one other thing that I noticed at the end of the game when the players are shaking hands and and talking, two things. Actually, one was Ben White trying to give uh, uh, Gabriel a high five and Gabriel was being far too busy in discussion with Mikel Arteta, so he just kind of slowly drew his hand down and turned and walked (laughs) away. Um, Fingers crossed he got a high five in the dressing room later but they showed Saka chatting to the ref and you can tell from the body language from the, how words are being delivered between the two of them that Saka was maybe questioning a few things that went on in that game. What happened, maybe what the ref was thinking, doing and so on. And you could see it was constructive because the ref was open and was talking back. It wasn't like the ref was being defensive or standoffish or anything like that. They were having a, 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 a good back and forth. Yep. A positive back and forth for me to see saka doing that i thought that was brilliant i feel like we need to have some sort of better relationship with referees i'm not saying that we should um you know brown nose them so that we can get decisions but it also can't hurt to have good relationships with referees so that we don't go down the road of having someone like Mike Dean referee and every time we ever saw his name attached to our game we all just thought "Well, great well that's a red card or a penalty coming up or some sort of terrible decision Uh, I feel like it shows really good leadership on Saka's part that he's there having that chat a lot of people talk about Harry Kane for example and how he's protected because he's England captain and he's protected by referees with Saka being one of the new generation of golden boys, and there's a few in the in the current England setup. He's not the only one. I think and I hope that maybe he is taking on something like that. And that demonstrates some of his leadership qualities. Because we didn't really get to see pretty much throughout the whole of all or nothing, for example, we didn't get to see anyone other than Granite Xhaka do too much talking in the dressing room, do too much leading with words. We're seeing Erdegaard lead on the pitch through actions and we're seeing Jesus who's new to the group leading on the pitch through action and desire you saw how happy he was at the full time whistle to win and that mentality you've got to win all the time is clearly permeating the team but yeah based on me saying that i don't know if you saw it or what you think about that uh,
1: i didn't i didn't see that at the end but um yeah it's it's important to have positive relationships with with the referees um, remember the old days where you could see the referees using certain players' first names because they were on first name terms with John, John Terry and Frank, you know, their mates, and it yeah, it can't hurt to have positive relationships rather than um Granite Shacker having a chat with them, let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> let's get some of that
1: some of our nice friendly boys to do the job.
0: So yeah, that kind of wraps up The game, we stay top of the table, five wins from five, 15 points. We've got a game against Manchester United at Old Trafford. A team that is up and down, I think, to say the least. Obviously, they play Thursday. We're recording this before they play. Who knows what kind of game that they're going to get, whether Leicester are going to be tough opponents or not for them because they're having a very strange spell as well. And we haven't particularly done well at Old Trafford in the last five years. I do think we should have won there last year. I was furious that we left that game without winning it. Are you confident for Sunday? Are you down the middle? Where are you for that?
1: I'm confident in that I know what we can do and I've seen what sort of team we are. The the variables are going to be what is their performance like against Leicester and what injuries do we have? Because we we picked up a couple of knocks in that game. Uh, Is there any chances Zinchenko and Party are going to be back for that? Who knows? Um, And then what transfer business do we do between now and then? Because, you know, there could be another body in the door that gives us something a little bit different. So I'm confident because I, I, I think we're further along in our development than they are. I think they're still a little bit confused, but who knows when you go to Old, Old, Old Trafford, <laughs> um, strange things can happen, right?
0: They're still a little bit confused. I like that. Um, yeah, and that that does lead us in quite nicely to the next part. We do currently have injuries to Thomas Partey, who from um, Arteta's words is certainly going to miss the next few matches four five games I would as a minimum I'd assume it does seem to be that recurring thigh injury uh Alneni has now picked up what is a nasty injury from all accounts and he's now got to be out for a considerable period they say uh considerable could be up until the world cup could be beyond who knows Ramsdale took a knock he went down late in the game there was a part where he was sat down he was holding his right hamstring and looked to be very annoyed. He did have a few big kicks soon after that on his right foot. So it looked like it wasn't something that stopped him from being able to play. Uh, But that had me worried. And that was after um, Erdegaard's tackle. And I think maybe Erdegaard had gone off at that point as well. So we've got Partey out, we've got Elneny out, we've got Zinchenko who was put down on the bench because of an injury concern and now didn't even make the bench. So has that injury gotten worse? And Arteta came out and said it, we need uh, another person in midfield, which with 24 hours to go on the clock for transfers, you don't say that because every club is now going to whack an extra five or 10 million onto a player because we've gone out and publicly said, we need someone we're short. Um, if we had Zinchenko fit, maybe we don't need to go shopping. I don't know. Um, there's some stories about uh, the Ukrainian winger Mudrik. I think that's how you would say his name. Never heard of him. Know nothing about him. There's stories about Sensio. I think we've been linked to him for a number of years. Uh, the Tielemans' interest I really don't see what we're seeing in him at the moment. He's not exciting me in any way. But the other thing is, we're not going to be able to replace someone at the level of Thomas Partey without spending that kind of money again, 50, 60 million. And who's out there? Who's available for that? So I now expect you to answer all of those questions succinctly and concisely and tell me exactly what Arsenal are going to do on this deadline day.
1: Who knows is the answer, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Edu, I mean Edu knows. Look, the the centre midfield position is one where we have like to to play in that six. We've got four players, right? We've got Party, who's first choice. We've got El who we've just given a new contract to, and we've put some faith into. They're both out. Then you've got Sambi, who we've bought. And believed in, and haven't had um, the opportunities to give him maybe the game time that he wants, or maybe the game time that he's deserved. But he's our he's next in line for that. And then you've got Granit Xhaka, if you have to, who, okay, we, we know that he's not ideal for that position, and he's he's maybe his movement of the ball is not quick enough, but you can't. As a football team, just go out and keep buying players because you've got little injuries when you already have four people who can play in that position. So for me, the that, that number six position is not one that we do anything about now, unless, of course, that there's a long-term plan for somebody and that player is available now. Um, I just think it's not one way you, you panic because you've got a couple of injuries, especially when we've just seen how good Samby's been, and especially when we know that, or we hope that the party situation is going to be a short
0: term one rather than a long term one. Um, Can we buy into that, though? He's, his track record over the last couple of seasons points to the contrary.
1: But I mean it's the same with any player, right? So you say you bring in a, a player and they break their leg in the first game, you know, it I just think that you have we have four players in that position. It's not one where we can buy somebody else. Because say say you go out and spend on I don't know, just throw out a name, Douglas Louise, who who's not actually starting for Villa at the moment, but looked like a, a decent player maybe last season. You bring him in, you've got Sambi already. So you put Sambi back on the bench, Thomas Party comes back and he's fit what do you do with these three players now? How do you give them all game time? Um, for me, the the area we have to look at is, is the wide forward. And it has been from the start because the intensity that those players are playing at, a, a, an injury there is going to cost us. An injury there is going to stop us scoring goals and being efficient. And those positions further forward, I think we're a little bit light on. We don't know where Fabio Vieira is going to play yet um, and we don't know whether Marquinhos can have an impact this season for us. But I look at Saka and Martinelli and the work they're getting through and the quality they're showing and I think if one of those is out for a longer period, then I see a gap between them and Um, Mm -hmm. Smith-Rowe. The Pepe situation... Uh, and letting him go feels like it allows for another player to come in that in that area. Um, who it's going to be, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I'm trying not to read too much into the rumours because I think that 99% of people haven't got a clue and they're just making things up. Um,
0: Absolutely. I agree with you on that. For me, though, the worrying part, if I want to use that word, maybe even that's a bit strong. The worrying part is... There isn't a clear player out there that it's like, oh, we should really go for that person and we should get that person. There's been names that have been thrown around, especially in the last couple of days. And as we know, year on year, the transfer window becomes increasingly ridiculous for online speculation. Names that are just drawn out of a hat. I swear that in some uh, places, be it newspapers or online, whatever it might be, they just have bowls like Champions League draw. And they just draw a team out and a name out and just be like, right, do uh, 200 words on that, go. And uh, that seems to be how rumors are created. You do have agents as well trying to get moves last minute or maybe a new deal and stuff like that. I have no idea who we would bring in that adds this firepower that Arteta wants and is talking about. I have faith that if they do bring someone in, they'll be good. And I have that faith because... Tommy Asu, I'd never heard of. And he was great. He's great. And we have been very pleased with what he's done. Um, the, the record that we've got of signings since it's been Edu and Arteta has been pretty good. So, you know, people didn't like the idea of Ramsdale. And yet last night they were singing to Martinez after his blunders that uh, and Ramsdale is better than you. So fan opinion can change on people. So I have faith that if we bring someone in and I've never heard of them, there's a chance that they'll be good. We do need people to cover those positions. Martinelli has been one of our outstanding players of the season so far. Uh, Erdegaard as well. I know you mentioned Saka as the other one, but uh, Erdegaard as well. Those two, especially in the last two games have been brilliant. Saka has echoed the sentiments. I don't know if you saw where Arteta was talking about, you know, we want to get the deal done. We're confident. We're happy. We just need everything to align. But Kaio Saka has also basically reaffirmed that that he too is happy. He too hopes it happens so it sounds like it's just the intermediaries, uh, the negotiations on salaries and perks and bonuses and things. That's kind of what goes through and what doesn't uh, to happen. And then hopefully we'll be announcing that he's got a new deal. But I will tune in maybe to Sky Sports News or just keep an eye on the laptop of what's going on. But I honestly, I have no idea what might happen it feel like it could be a very quiet day because there just isn't, it isn't someone, there isn't someone out there that ticks the box that we're looking for right now. Cause they keep saying they're managing our expectation by saying, we'll only do it one if we can. And two, if it improves us. And, uh, I don't know who's out there that's available. That improves us right now.
1: Yeah. I think the, like in general, the club of tried to do business quietly and things get leaked, and um, that there's there's also some transfers that have been drawn out, like the Gabriel Jesus one that we knew from from really early on. But look, I'm I'm sure behind the scenes they're trying to work on things, and if the right deal can be done, then then it it's done. Um, for me, if we can do a wide player, a wide forward, and a central midfielder, then it's an incredible window. Um, not just incomings, but the outgoings that we've done as well. Um, if we only manage to get one of those, I still think we've done a really good job. Um, if we don't do anything, we might be short again. But like I say, we really don't know what impact some of the players that we've bought can have. Um, and we have to remember there yeah. are two two young players that we've got um, who are on the bench last night, who haven't seen any minutes yet. We will see some of their action in the Europa League, I'm sure. And who knows how good they are. And when we brought Martinelli, we didn't know what he was like and what he could do. And who knows whether Marquinhos could do a similar thing um, and really have an impact and, and be part of the squad going forward. But fingers crossed, we'll, we'll know where we are. Next time we're recalled, right, And um, when we go to Man United, we might have a, a shiny new thing to be excited about. But I'm not panicked too much because I do see that in Edu and with Arteta, there is a long plan. And if the, the right deal is not there now, then maybe it will be in January. And if it's not January, it'll be ready for next season. Um, so I'm I'm trying to be positive about it, but... Look, if there's if there's an injury or, or two, then I can see that we haven't got the biggest squad possible. But at the same time, I think realistically, there's only a certain amount of players you can have. And there's only a certain amount of injuries you can cope with. If you, you have a look at Liverpool and their struggles at the start of the season, are based on the fact that they've lost um, a lot of players in the same position, and it's unfortunate. Thiago
0: and Keita, I think, are the two. Yeah, are out.
1: Um, and it massively impacts you and okay, they've got players to bring in in Milner and Harvey Elliott and there's a really experienced player in, and a really young player with some, some good prospects, but they're not at the same level and they can't be at the same level otherwise they'd be starting. Um. So we'll see.
0: If uh, Zinchenko wasn't injured, does he start ahead of Sambi in the Villa game?
1: In midfield, no. No? No, for me... For me you um, you you bought Sambi to play in that position. You trust him because otherwise, why well, have we bought him? Um, you know, for a young player, he still costs us a decent amount of money.
0: Well, we you look at Tavares, We he's a young player. We bought him because we trust him. He started life really, really well. Then he had a couple of bad games, and now he's off. Um, you know, trying to win the golden boot for Marseille in France. So maybe there is, maybe there is a question there.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 see how Samby's performances go, and if if they dip, then um, maybe we'll have to have to make a change. But the the ideal situation is right that Samby plays until party's fit, and then party comes back into the team. Um, I know I know we can't rely on on everybody being fit all the time, but um, that would be my reading of it anyway.
0: I like Samby, and I hope he can do well. I think he's probably going to be in there for possibly the next month by the sounds of it. So uh, I hope he can have an absolutely brilliant brilliant time of it in the middle for us. Fingers crossed, like you say, we have a a nice shiny new signing to take up to Old Trafford with us. Um, We'll leave that part there, really, as we aren't in the nose. We aren't people that claim to... Information or anything like that. We are only acting on a lot of secondhand information, and we're also not going to perpetuate a lot of the rubbish that gets written. So we'll uh, we'll leave the transfer window stuff there if you like.
1: Yes, we should leave it there.
0: Excellent. We'll <laughs> leave we'll leave it there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to do a quick discussion on Fantasy Premier League. A quick look at where the league is for Turnstiles and Tribulations and what's been going on there. So uh, stick around. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. We're going to get into the Fancy Premier League league that we have going, the Turnstiles and Tribulations League. You can add yourself to it. You can find the link in our show notes and uh, and join the league. It's not too late to get involved in the fun. Uh, we've got 11 players in there at the moment. Long and short of it, Chris and I have a side deal that whoever loses out of us two will do a forfeit at the end of the season. So if you've got something dastardly that you would like to see one of us have to do is that forfeit do message us on uh, any of our social media again all of the links to our social media are in the show notes you can find us there um, Chris you're down in 7th out of 11 how are you feeling
1: um, disappointed again I've had two bad um, game weeks there picked the wrong captain injuries have hit uh, and that idea of picking players that I sort of like hasn't really gone down that well <laughs> um, and I've used my wild card, haven't I? So yeah, things things could be better. Right. I um, I went with Gabriel Jesus as captain. I think uh, having a look at our league, most people went with uh, Jesus or or Haaland, and Haaland was the one to pick, right?
0: He was, but I felt I went with Jesus as well. And for me, Guardiola sold me a dummy on this one because all of his talk in the lead-up was talking about rotation and, you know, there's a chance he doesn't play. And then it's actually Kevin De Bruyne who gets benched and uh, Harlan scores a second hat-trick in a matter of days. At least he's in my team, so I get those points, but it would have been nice to have also, you know, gotten the right pick. I said last week or in the last show, I haven't quite gotten the right pick for the captains just yet. But, uh, the league is still spread reasonably thin. There's not a huge gap from top to bottom. 343 points is leading the way. Um, Hale enders with Michael Hinton at the helm there. And then down at the bottom, Brennan Haggy with the Haglers. But as mentioned, he was one week late to even join the game. So he did miss one week's worth of point scoring. So, um, 264 for gemma at the bottom down there in 10th as well so even that it's not too far off you know that's uh what are we 60 points 70 points off top you can easily draw that back with uh, a few good game weeks like you say a few good captain picks which people seem to still be messing up in terms of other fantasy bits you talked about you've used your wild cards you've Brought people in that you thought were going to do something. There's still a lot of time. They may well do it. Um, Mo Salah, funny enough, was actually the second most transferred out player for this game week. Um, I don't know what you think about that with people maybe chasing other players. Is Haaland now the new Salah? Is he the absolute must-have in fantasy?
1: Yeah, he's obviously going to score a lot of goals in this team. Um, I think... The The reason I didn't put him as captain is, is the same. Guardiola saying that he might rest him or he was talking about rotating or Alvarez coming in and then he ends up playing mm-hmm. playing both of them. Both of them. Um, I think that's going to be a difficult thing as we go through the season that you never quite know who's going to be picked and what players are going to be rotated, especially once we start getting into two games a week and there being European games for the top teams going to have to maybe look at the fact that a certain player starts in a, a Champions League game or a Europa League game and look at the alternative player in that position to be playing in the the Premier League but um I have not got the mentality or the a memory to to do that during the season <laughs> so I look forward to picking a lot of players who are um not in starting lineups um people who are injured um, I put Rodrigo <laughs> in and dislocated his shoulder. Um, it's yeah. it's not... It looked it's quite nasty. Great. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible one. I don't know how long that puts him out for, but um, I'm assuming he won't be no. playing next week.
0: Probably not. You, you, you would think that. Um, I talked about uh, Brighton players and uh, I would maybe get on their bandwagon. They did concede, so the defender maybe wasn't the right one. And it was funny, I was even going to talk about do stay away from Lewis Dunk because he does like to score own goals. And then he went, lo and behold, he went and scored one. Pascal gross though, is a very interesting player for me. He was the most transferred in this week. Uh, over 750,000 people brought him in and he's someone that I'm looking at, especially now that Rodrigo has gone down. Cause I've been kind of waiting to see, could Rodrigo keep it going? um, Luis Diaz is also another popular person being transferred in over uh, 700,000 times. He's already in my side, but like I say, I'm still contemplating my wild card for maybe two weeks from now, seeing what happens with all the European games, who's being rested, who's not, and distributing that wealth because there are so many good players between six to eight million that are scoring lots of points. And Salah at the moment just is patchy at best. I think uh, I think there's better options out there and you want to get on that train before their prices really go up.
1: Yeah, um lots of good tips there. I look at you know me, I I don't look into the details of it. I look at the fixtures <laughs> and I think who's gonna win that game, who's gonna score the goals. Yeah. Um I do looking that too. at the fixtures for, for the weekend. Forrester playing Bournemouth, so there's a chance that um Bournemouth won't concede um nine goals again. Um and maybe there's maybe there's a chance for a Bournemouth goalkeeper to to get a clean sheet. Even that would be my um that would be my tip. Everybody in the league stick Bournemouth goalkeeper in.
0: Forest is an interesting one. Uh, just a quick side note, they've bought a lot of players. Uh, same same as West Ham actually, they've bought a lot of players, but Forest don't seem to be scoring any goals.
1: Yeah, they've have they bought decent strikers though. They've got Jesse Lingard, well,
0: I, I mean, you know, Jesse Lingard Maybe is one of them, and he's an utter pillar. Uh, he could get in the bin with uh, Gary Neville. But um they've they they've bought a lot of people. Uh have they bought too many? Uh one of our friends and, and fellow fantasy football players, uh on, he's uh a big Fulham fan. And one of his big criticisms of Fulham over the last couple of years where they've yo-yoed up and down is that they've bought too many players in that then changed the team that did well to get them the promotion in the first place. And they never gel. And they seem to be doing it slightly differently this year. They've um, not replaced the entire team. So uh, yeah, it's just a, just a side note. I wouldn't go out and get any Nottingham Forest players or Bournemouth players. So I would ignore Chris on that one if I was you guys, uh it would probably mean you score nil pois.
1: Yeah, ignore me if you like. The other thing I would say is um obviously transfer window, there's gonna be a lot more players added, right, over the next couple of days. Um I'm looking at Isaac um because he's fantastic. Are we gonna explain what that is in the background? I think I think the listeners will be interested. Well,
0: we didn't have to. I could have edited that no, I think add, it out until you mentioned
1: We should keep it in because it's, it's a lovely, nice.
0: <laughs> Isn't it? Just <laughs> if only you had it all the time. So that's my aged cat, Sadie. So big shout out to Sadie. Um, she is 21 years old, which for a cat is flipping mental. Nice
1: to have a cat um, on the show.
0: But she's lovely.
1: I think she was agreeing yeah, with the exactly, um, is, Isaac stuff anyway. So Isaac, I'm interested in. I think so too. And um, yes, if. One of my favourite players um, who's not in a Premier League and I really want to sign Cody Gakpo enters the league, I'll be putting him in my team, whether that's for Southampton or Leeds or wherever he goes.
0: Right. Speaking of Isaac, Skamaka is another one. Over the summer, those were two names that you talked about as maybe someone we would go after. We ultimately haven't. We've gotten Jesus, and I think that is the best deal out of that. But Isaac scored on his debut last night for Newcastle. Skamaka, I think, has one goal for West Ham, maybe? No, because they only scored their first goal yesterday against Tottenham, and he wasn't the scorer. What do you think of those two players at the moment? I know, obviously, I was only just come in, but uh, excited to see what they can do. Upset that we didn't get them because you were a fan.
1: Yeah, it's funny. The quality of the players coming into the Premier League at not top clubs is improving so much. I think the gap is going to close. That's a little bit of a hot take, I guess. Um,
0: Well, Paqueta is another one coming... Was it Leon who's gone to West Ham? And he's been linked with us loads of times. incredible player. He's not one that I've spent hours watching or anything like that. I'm not going to claim to know what all of his strengths are and, and how good he can or, or might be. But uh, it does seem that a lot of teams, like you say, you put it quite well, there's some high-class players going to teams you wouldn't have thought.
1: Yeah, and for, for big um, money as well. So I think we'll see some more of that um, the rest of today with the transfer window. And, uh, yeah, those players could be worth a shout because I think quality is quality, right? They'll they'll score goals even if they're in um, lower-level teams. Um, but, yeah, the likes of Schumacher and... Um, who are we mentioning there?
0: Uh, Isaac. Isaac.
1: Um Yeah, I think they're going to be worth a shout and it's a shame that they're not with us, but we can't have everybody, can we?
0: There's... One other player that we should probably mention who looks likely to come to the Premier League. They have Premier League pedigree. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang possibly going to Chelsea. Would you put him in your team?
1: No. Um, He's a great player and I think he'll come and score some goals for Chelsea, but um, at 33 on on a longer term deal, I don't think it's a great move for them and it, Again, smacks of a team who are not really joined up with what they're trying to do and a bit of a a panic to to bring in as many different players as they can. Um, so yeah, I won't be touching the Bamiang, but um, good luck to him. Um, no bad feelings really towards him, but um, yeah, he, he won't be going in my fantasy team anyway.
0: There is one other player that I think everyone should be aware of that's back in the Premier League and should be an absolute lock for everyone's team. And that is Willian, who is back at Fulham. <laughs> Uh, back in London after an outstanding time in an Arsenal shirt. Scored one goal and uh, did very little else. But thanks for that one goal. And uh, yeah, don't sleep on Willian. Get him into your side, everybody. Triple captain Willian every week. Captain him, have him. Just pick 11 Willians. That, that is my advice to you all. Pick 11 Willians. You can't go wrong. Well, on that surreptitious note, um, which is very unlike me, we will uh, we'll knock the pods on the head there, I think. We will see what happens with the transfer window. We will see what uh, the listeners who are in the league do with their fancy teams. Are there more wild cards going to get played? Are there going to be any big changes, people willing to spend some points to change a couple of players and hold on to their wild cards for now? I may be one of those people because... Um, I just love making transfers. We've got Man United coming up on the weekend. As we mentioned, we go into that in good form. Five wins from five, top of the table. Fingers crossed we can keep that good run going. Fingers crossed uh, minor injuries are just exactly that, minor. And players like Martin Odegaard are fit and ready for Sunday. And uh, yeah, I think other than that, mate, I hope you have a cracking weekend. I hope you get to enjoy watching the Arsenal beat Man United on the weekend. And uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Fingers crossed. I'm sure we'll be in touch and uh, discuss the action or non-action. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, mate. Up the Arsenal and uh, bring on the next Kim Calstrom signing.